back again for another episode of the Nullcast. But uh, this is kind of what we've always traditionally viewed as the first uh, podcast of the season as we jump into our positional preview series. This is a, uh, in theory, should be a good amount of fun. I mean, uh, we're, we've made it through the dog days of summer and football's right around the corner and uh, it'll be an interesting series of groups that we take a look at. I think we're going to start tonight with the uh, receivers, tight ends, what we've labeled the pass catchers preview and uh, take it from there. So as always, we'll thank our sponsors, uh, good people, Louisiana Hot Sauce, Tarpon Cellars, fantastic wine company that uh, we're proud to be able to partner with uh, yet again and would encourage any of y'all to use the promo code NOCAST uh, if you visit their website, which is tarponcellars.com. And with that, let's uh, let's jump into the preview. Let's do it, man. Uh, so figured the format for these, we're first going to look at who FSU lost off last year's team and, and briefly discuss you know, the impact of that. And then we're going to go to our man, David Hale, uh, who covers the ACC as a whole for ESPN. Uh, I don't think anybody does a better job of covering you know, top to bottom in the conference than David does. He has done some positional rankings going into the season, uh, and we'll kind of talk about that and figure if we agree or disagree with Mr. Hale. Uh, and then I think we can go in and basically figure out what they uh, what they need to do to hopefully hit or exceed uh, the, the projection that he has given them. Talk about some key players that could help uh, in doing so, and then maybe pontificate a little bit on you know who still has some upside potential in this room, and and who are are we ready not not to necessarily write off, uh, but you know, guys who we are going to identify perhaps as maybe much longer shots to contribute uh, at FSU. And then a brief chatter about the recruiting thing. We're going to try to do this in roughly 20 minutes so that y'all can go back and binge all these episodes. If you're a slacker out there, right? Maybe you're like, I don't know. Do we actually want to listen to podcasts on time or do we want to save these all (laughs) for the Saturday uh, before the season starts? It's up to y'all as long as you hit that download button. So. they lost to Mario and Terry. They did lose uh, Terry, and the loss first, maybe perceived loss that would have been if we were to go back 365 days and do this show are two very different things. Uh, Terry, not a whole lot of ways other than to label it a pretty disappointing season uh, for a guy who you thought may be on the verge of, of having a, you know continued uh, success and you know, certainly the off the field stuff contributed significantly to him not getting drafted, but his play didn't do him any favors either. Um, returning other options we'll look at as uh, you know, what his high school teammate, uh, Ontario Wilson, it was far and away kind of the best of the bunch from 2020. Uh, but, you know, from what you lost, Terry's gone. And uh, physically, you know, from a just raw ability to contribute, that's a pretty significant loss. Uh, compared to last year's production, not necessarily what you might thought that loss would be. Yeah, so like I, I see Terry as somebody who I think teams were still scared of just based on on the way they covered him for you know much of the season. But that fear uh, was largely based on what they did in prior years, not what Terry did in 2020. Because in 2020, uh, he was not a particularly effective receiver. And yes, I know FSU didn't have quarterbacks who could really throw the ball very well. In 2020, that's a that's a fair 
criticism there, but he didn't really play that well. He wasn't winning a whole lot of contested balls. He had a couple, you know, games where, where he had some standout plays, but, but I totally agree, dude. It was a disappointing, uh, year for him. And I would be very worried. I'll just tell you this. If he had had a dominant year, because I don't know that I see somebody on this roster, uh, not who is not capable of doing that, but I don't, I don't know that I see somebody on this roster who is very likely to replace like a dominant number one type player. Uh, but they're not having to do so because that's not what this team had on this roster last year. You know, to me, you're looking for a guy who can be a deep threat, kind of inconsistent, but still has some size and some, some deep threat ability that, that opponents have to respect. You get him, you know, some, some one-on-one matchups off play action and we'll get to it. I think they may have that guy right uh, on, on this roster. So uh, David Hale, where does he rank the, the receivers and tight ends combined for FSU? Yeah. Only one direction to go for here, but uh, we're Florida state is 14 of 14 and the expectations are uh, as low as can possibly be. So I just threw up my mouth um, a little bit. Yeah, it's that's... hard to believe that Florida state, the school that's uh, produced as many talented wide receivers and skilled players that it has is, is a uh, 14 out of 14 in the conference. But I don't, you know, I don't think that's, there's, there are some rankings that I would, argue with Hale, uh, this should be a little higher, these could be a little lower. I think that's pretty accurate going into the season. So, so like, uh, he has uh, he has FSU slightly behind Cuse, Duke, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Pitt, Louisville, Miami, Wake, BC, NC State, UNC, Clemson, um, and, and Vatek. I, I don't think it's totally unreasonable to think that FSU could finish like 10th, not 14th, right? I could see a, a season in which their pass catchers, uh, if some of the guys are about to talk, talk, you know, talk about it, if they overperform, I could see them better being better than Cuse, than Duke. I can see a world in which they're better than Georgia Tech, even though I know Georgia Tech does have some guys with, with some big time upside. But in theory, so does FSU, right? They just have to go out there and prove it. And some of them may not arrive, uh, this season. And I don't mean that as like a Destin Hill joke. I mean, like some of the, their ga- their games may not arrive you know, quite as quickly as we hope they will. And I could see them being better than UVA. Pitt's yeah. got Pitt's got some dudes. I, th- I think the ranking is justified. I also think, and it's easy to say this when you're 14 to 14. Right. Uh, this is one of the places where Florida State could exceed expectations. I mean, I think it's very. There's a clear path that that can happen, and you know, many of the pieces that uh, could play a role in that happening are otherwise unknowns, uh, which is why I say I think the ranking justified. You know, if you're going into a year and counting on a, a portal guy and two true freshmen to be kind of the driving force to out outpace expectations, then, yeah, expectations may be accurate. So, uh, yeah, interesting conversation here. We'll break it up between kind of outside receivers, uh, inside slot guys, and then, you know, the – the final cherry on top will be us looking at that uh, ever so loaded tight end position here as well. So uh, why don't we talk about the guy that we both think could potentially be the number one uh, guy emerge in that slot or in that spot. Uh, Andrew Parchment, the uh, kid originally from Lauderdale who comes to Florida state via Kansas. Yeah. So at the outside receiver spot, Andrew Parchment, what redshirt seniors, this is sixth year playing college football, I guess. Uh, He's a guy with some legitimate ability. And I'm going to use that word a lot when I talk about parchment because there is still, I believe Florida State took a, a calculated risk here with parchment. 
he has not been a good college receiver yet. Normally, if you told me, hey, there's a guy with five years college experience and he's not been very good yet, I would be like, uh, what the hell are you doing? He had a decent season two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's, that's as close to good as he came. But uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I think that much like, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Rays. And the Rays are known for pulling off trades on the baseball field where they see an ability in somebody that is maybe being underutilized uh, at his former ball club for whatever reason. And they trade for the guy. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, you have a great slider. And you only throw it 15% of the time. And uh, your fastball sucks, and you throw it all the time. Here, we're just going to have you throw sliders pretty much all the time. I think in Andrew Parchman, FSU sees a guy who is not reliable so far in his career, but does have legitimate home run deep speed with also the size to win one-on-one balls. That does not mean that he will win them all, but I think they see some tantalizing upside in him. And I think physically... He has an ability that other guys on this roster don't have or are probably not going to be in a position to utilize in the case of like Malik McLean that we'll talk about in a little bit in the 2021 season. And they really do need somebody on the outside who can threaten. Um, I'll be very interested in how he handles things if they go poorly. You know, last year at Kansas, things went really poorly. I don't know that he handled it all that well. You know, like his, his numbers weren't very good. Um, so I ran a, an interesting query here in a stats database, and I looked at offensive, offensive success rate, right? How often were plays successful against Power 5 teams before the game went into garbage time? So for this, within 27 points in the first quarter, 24 in the second quarter, 21 in the third, 16 points in the fourth. So basically, how did Andrew Parchment do against Power 5 opponents when the game was on the line. So with that, um, I went ahead and pulled this and I, I looked in 2019 and 2020 and I found some interesting stuff. First of all, what I found is that I don't think Andrew Parchment, at least as far as I could tell, had any catches in this situation in 2020 at all. Uh, but in 2019, he did have a couple games here. Uh, some of them were interesting. Some of them are pretty encouraging. One being West Virginia. This is the best game that I think he's had as a college player by far. They lost to West Virginia 24 to 29. So the game was pretty much in the balance the entire time. Now, yeah, 2019 West Virginia was not a very good team. Still, it's a power five opponent. This is by far the best game he's ever had. He had five touches for 132 yards and two touchdowns. More importantly, he had a success rate of 63%. When targeted. So that's pretty good. I mean, about two thirds of the time that they tried to throw him the ball, not only did he catch it, but it was, a, it was a successful play. So I'm very encouraged by that. However, the other three games that actually came up in, in my search, uh, Texas in 2019, they lost 48 to 50. Okay. So, and that was a close game. 33% success rate. So two out of every three times that they targeted Parchment, it was a failure. Uh, against now, granted, he did have 83 yards, he had a touchdown. They were trying to force feed in the ball, apparently. Against Texas Tech in 2019, Kansas won the game. 36% success rate. Seven catches, 109 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and 33% success rate against Iowa State in 2019. That's a lot of numbers I just threw at you there. It's you know eight touches, 86 yards, no touchdowns there. 
But Ingram, what I'm noticing on this largely is that I think they were trying to force feed him the ball, especially in 2019. Uh, he may have been one of their only true playmakers. Now in 2020, they had a receiver who was largely better than he was. Uh, I don't know exactly why that is. Who knows? Maybe getting to Tallahassee will have Parksman's head in the game more. Uh, but I do think they see some stuff in the limited film clips he has. And yeah, you could say, hey, it's against backups in some of these games where he put up some some big stats and, and the game was out of hand, and you're right. But I think it, like, if they can just get this guy to be a deep threat, underline the word threat here, because like teams have to respect the deep speed, and somebody who you don't really feel comfortable covering one-on-one with your corners in the games that I think we're going to identify that you have a legitimate chance to win. So your you know, Boston College, NC State, uh, Wake, I'm missing one here. But like those, you know, those type of games to where those opposing corners feel like they're probably not great one-on-one, then I think this can work out. And I think Parchment can exceed expectations if those are reasonable expectations for him. What I know you've watched some of his YouTube. What, what do you think about him? It's hit and miss. I mean, there's certainly the raw ability is there. I was looking for a tweet that he tweeted out three or four days ago. It was, I'll put it, uh, you know, loosely, this is not verbatim, but something to the words of, I've gone through all my second chances. Uh, I've got to make this one count or something like that. Well, those are the, those are the words of a guy that realizes that, you know, maybe he hasn't spent the best use of all his time and then that he's got to maximize uh, the, the window of opportunity that he has here. So, um, there's flashes in 2019, certainly of a guy that you think, hey, this won't be a, you know, somebody that you talk about one of the better receivers you have over a five year period of time or something. But this is a guy who can help you kind of, uh, you know, get to where you're going. And this is a guy that could be a, a temporary fill in, a nice physical frame, uh, fairly explosive, a guy that's not all that different than Terry. I'm not sure he'd, you know, I think he'd probably come about a, a step sh- short of Terry if they were running 40 or something like that, but yeah. still fast, you know, not, not super fast, but fast enough to make you, uh, like you said, to, to put the threat there. Uh, and that's really what I think he's going to do. And it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, if this offense is going to have any kind of potency, I'm not going to tell you parts of it's got to be a great wide receiver, but he's got to be above average. He's got to have a really decent year uh, and, and make the most of his time here at Florida state. And hopefully, position himself to play some type of pro ball uh, moving on. Can I be kind of high on somebody here? I, I actually think Ontario Wilson has the chance to be a, a pretty solid number two receiver in the ACC. Now, you you may want to tell me, hey, like on a better ACC team, he's three. And I don't really disagree, but, you know, he's, he's a redshirt junior now. Last year, he was actually probably the most dependable Receiver on the team um, in a couple games where they actually FSU had late and close situations. Georgia Tech fifty percent success rate. Notre Dame he actually had a one hundred percent success rate before that game. You know, got a little bit, a little bit too out of hand. Uh, you know, he wasn't always killing it in like the late and close situations. He did pad his stats some in the non garbage time, but I still feel like he showed something, and they feel like they can count on him. You know, he's he's the guy that shows up for work. He's a solid player. He's not amazing. Um, I think he has some shiftiness after the catch. He's also a dude who I think is is a fairly tough receiver. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think there's something there. He's a he's a tough guy. Uh, he's a guy that can pick up an extra three or four yards by you know putting his shoulder down 
isn't afraid to run some of the routes that other wide receivers might shy away from. Uh, on the field, I would label him very dependable. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that, and it'll be interesting to see what he does. But he's got a good feel for what's being asked of him. I think uh, you know his role in the offense is fairly clearly defined, and he's good with it. Um, yeah, uh, Wilson and the two freshmen are the two reasons why I think this group may be somewhere around nine or ten when we look back on it. Uh, that's a again nothing that's going to blow you away, uh, but a guy that I think is on the verge of having a, a fairly consistent season. So we kind of have a wild card at number one. Um, I, I think we have a, you know, fairly useful card at number two. The third guy that I want to talk about tonight is somebody who I think actually has some real upside and look, betting on true freshmen, true freshman receivers, four star or better are not a good bet often, which is crazy because we, we put four and five stars on them at 24-7 sports. But more often than not, they actually don't play that well as true freshmen. Uh, but I know Malik McLean is a guy, maybe because of his size and speed combo, maybe because of who else is on this roster, and maybe because he's at IMG. He's got to be somebody that has you pretty excited for, for this year. Yeah, no, I've I've been high on, on Malik, and particularly since some of the reports that you got back from... Uh, uh, well, there's just benefits to being an early enrollee. And by all accounts, Malik has taken a solid step forward to, you know, take advantage of that time and position himself in a manner to contribute as much as you can as a, as a true freshman. Um, physically, you know, Burrell's, Burrell and McLean are far and away the most kind of physically imposing of the wide receivers. Uh, but physically, a guy that looks the part, uh, looks like a, a guy that will grow into a number one and somebody that you can kind of feature and build around. How many games does it take for him to fully come online? I mean, that's kind of a question for me, but does it, is it immediately? Is it four games in? Is it six games in? Uh, but I do think that at some point in time, you'll, you'll look back and Malik McLean will be uh, certainly your number three and, and maybe your number two. I mean, I, I think the ability is there for him to, uh, to kind of shoot up the ranks here and to fairly clearly uh, establish himself as one of the better receivers on the roster. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I was pretty encouraged by some of the catches he made in the spring game. And ultimately, you know, with Destin Hill at this point, I, I don't think Destin Hill is going to play this year. That's not, nobody from Florida State has told me he officially will not. Uh, but I, my thought was, look, if he didn't somehow get on the roster when he turned 18 in late July, that this thing was probably going to stretch out a while. And he's still not here. Camp started, pads come on. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I think week. when we talked about this last time, we said that we would need to check in either August 1st, August 3rd, end of July, whatever, yeah, within a week time frame. And it doesn't appear as though there's any kind of update or change of status. So at this point, I think you just have to assume that uh, this is pending. And pending at this point means not playing in 2021. Yeah, I, I agree on that. Um I, Malik McLean might end up being a really big get for them. Flipping him back from Ole Miss, remember, uh, you know, right, right close to the uh, to, to the early signing period. Get him, get him enrolled early. Is he a guy who can run the entire route tree right now? I kind of doubt it. But can you use him on some play action stuff? Can you use that that size and, and that, that speed? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think he's already on par with some of the guys who they took in the class of 2020. You know, and that granted, like I think that 2020 class will mostly be be busts because it's a short season class for no. 
Norvell and co had like three weeks to put together, which we're seeing those across the nation just be absolutely terrible on average uh, in the early signing period era. McLean could be a really key contributor for them uh, this year on, on a team that you know has, has some real questions for sure. Let's, uh, do you want to discuss Josh Burrell as a receiver or do you want to discuss him as a tight end? Yeah. Uh, I mean, do we need to create an HVAC place here? I, I don't know. I mean, he's a big guy. There was some talk on the staff last year. Look, he's a nice prospect and I'm really excited about him. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, dump on the kid here, but like the elite speed that some people talked about, I don't think is there. Uh, doesn't mean he's not going to be successful. Doesn't mean he's not a good get. Doesn't mean he's not somebody that I'm really excited about to see how he projects and ultimately progresses in the offense. And I think uh, Dillingham and, and uh, Norvell will draw up a decent amount to try to feature him. Uh, I don't think he's an outside wide receiver, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to look more like kind of an H-back, hybrid tight end. They'll be creative in how they use him. Uh, but I'm not really sure where to place him in this preview. So I, I think he is going to be – and. This is a cop-out, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm excited about this kid. I think he is like... Do you remember Sam Pinkney? Uh, remember the name. Don't don't remember him in, immediately. He was a kid. I think he was in the class of like 20... What class was he in? Uh, so he was in the class of 2018. I, I know Willie's staff liked him a lot. I know a couple other staffs liked him a lot. Uh, he ends up enrolling, I think, at Georgia State, was it? Um, let me see. Did he transfer? Or was he just sort of, Yeah, he was at Georgia State. Um, a dude who just, just couldn't run. But he did everything really, everything else really well, you know. And six foot four, he's listed at 210 at Georgia State. Josh Burrell, I think, is probably already bigger than that. Like it, yeah. Uh, maybe when, about when I got to pounds. see him. I mean, Burrell's yes. big. I'll, I'll share a story um, when I got to FSU this spring. Burrell's one of the kids I had not seen in person, right, because of the pandemic. And you know, we were just talking. I was like, who the hell is that? And Brendan Sinone of Knowles 24-7 said, what do you think that is? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I was like, did, did they sneak another transfer in here they didn't tell me about? He's like, that's Burrell. And I was thinking, like, this kid was a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the anger. The dude is big yeah, and got, physical, and legs and body parts of a of a defensive end. I can see it certainly. Yeah, like I think he will be a useful, winning football player. He has strong hands. He's a tough, you know, tough guy. I think he could run some routes relative to his size. I, I, I'm in. I just think they're going to use him more as kind of a hybrid tight end receiver this year. <clears throat> uh, you know, maybe like the year, maybe like the role. That they're trying to pitch to Jaleel Skinner, right? Um, who knows? But I, I think that he will play this year because physically he's ready to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll have a legendary career, right? You should make a legendary decision and choose legendary home loans. The road to 200 continues. We're pretty close now. Had a great call with Chad on Friday. 844 FSU loan. If you want to get hooked up with the best home loan or refi in the business, Little FSU chatter, uh, you know, awesome rate. Customer service is off the charts. We've had a lot of repeat customers as well, and a uh, couple. 
Well, I actually don't have the shout outs in front of me. I had, me. A, had a daily double yesterday. We'll we'll circle back to the shout outs, uh, but uh, impressive. I mean, I don't ever think that like people are going to stop contacting them, but I'm just always blown away when we continue to see as much activity with them as we do. And uh, great to be able to <clears throat> rely on you and your personal experience with them twice now, uh, but just fantastic support uh, from the listeners and a fantastic server, uh, service provided by them. So. Uh, you want to uh, you want to look at the uh, at the ticker? <laughs> Check it out. Eight four four FSU loan. Uh, all sorts of I new just did things. That live. All sorts of if you, new things. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, you know, um, thank you very much. Very cool. We're looking to get most of our shows on YouTube where appropriate, and uh, you know, just playing out with some different streaming softwares and, and different things like that. Yeah, this but, is uh, kind of our our video rough draft tonight. Trying to figure out how to do this. I've got a camera on the way well we'll uh you know continue to refine it and make it a little bit more of a pro- professional presentation but if you do see us on youtube uh we would ever support or ever appreciate you just you know even if you've listened to the potty uh the podcast on audio there's some certain metrics that we have to hit before we can make the channel a little bit more dynamic and so if you're at work and wouldn't mind playing it and maybe muting it know that uh i would be forever grateful and i'll buy you a beer if you ever uh, regurgitate that story back to me uh, when we see each other out sometime. So uh, hit that hit, hit that subscribe button and turn those notifications on. Of course, yes. Uh, thumbs up, man. We we thought we'd do these like fifteen to twenty minutes. We are twenty five minutes into this deal, yeah. so we probably need to go no huddle here to finish this thing out. Um, what a surprise! Noel Cast going long. Yeah. All right, Keyshawn Helton, uh, really good kid by all accounts. Uh, never had anything whispered to me that he you know, didn't take his rehab seriously or anything like that. Sometimes injuries are two-year injuries. You know, you can you can bust your rear, do everything, and it just takes a second year. I don't want to get too far over the skis uh, of the hype machine, but everything that I've heard about Helton is positive. Now, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you're still not working with somewhat of a, a limited ability is too harsh of a phrase, but, you know, you, there can only be so much there uh, that you can get out of him, but by all accounts, he is, uh, you know, looking much more like the player that he was two years ago, and that's a great thing uh, to hear about him. I think of the inside guys, he's far and away uh, your best option, and if he can stay healthy, I think Helton has a chance to put up some pretty significant stats. Yeah, man, uh, because last year, and I'm not trying to dog, I actually like Keyshawn Helton a lot. Like, I enjoy interviewing him. I liked watching him back with, you know, before the injury. But last year, in non-garbage time situations, it was bad. He, it was, he was flat out terrible. Yeah. I mean, 16% success rate when targeting Keyshawn Hilton with passes last year. 16%. I mean, that's... Like, I don't even know what to do with that. Can't have it. Can't win with it. Yeah. Uh, right. So. But he looks a lot better now. He did have legitimate, I think, really good quickness and I would say good speed. Uh, and we thought he was really a hidden gem of what was he the 2018 recruiting class? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we we really thought like, damn, they found something here, and they probably did if he doesn't get hurt. And I think he has a real chance to bounce back. We'll see if he can get fully back to what he was. He could be a real impact guy for them. Like if they exceed David Hale's projection of 14th in pass catchers, which again, there's nowhere to go but up, as you pointed out. Uh, but you know, if they exceed that, man, I got to tell you, like Keyshawn Hilton is probably a, a key part of that. Um, but he is kind of, he is small still, and and I think 
think next we should probably point out a guy who could play inside or could play outside. We put him here with the inside dude just because we had so many guys to talk about at the outside spot. But that, that's Brian Robinson. Yeah, Brian Robinson, one of the better recruiting gets that this position has had, uh, at least outside of the most recent class. Uh, there were some there were some nice moments last year. There's kind of some flashes, and then there was uh, you know kind of games on end where you didn't see anything of Robinson. So I would love uh, love a little bit more consistency there. Uh, not necessarily a burner, but somebody that you hope can be a little bit of a zone buster. Uh, I'll be interested to see where they play him. This is a uh, you know, just to go full on cliche, a little bit of a Swiss Army knife here. You can line Robinson up just about anywhere. I don't know that uh, he will be a standout player in uh, <clears throat> in the 2021 offense, but uh, a guy that, uh, you know, you have to feel fairly confident in. Hopefully a guy that is, uh, I haven't, uh, I'll be honest with you, but I haven't heard anything about Robinson, good or bad, uh, yet this year. So I will be uh, fairly interested to see where he is, but uh, by all accounts, a, a guy that will feature, uh, maybe up to him as to how prominently he'll feature. I think he was dinged uh, in, in spring a little bit too, but just from from watching him at PBC in high school, uh, you know, I, I think he's a dude who could win contested balls, as you said, like not 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 a speed demon for sure. Maybe, maybe helps you out in the red zone. I could see him, you know, being being a jump catch guy on some of those slot fades that you want to run. With your smash concepts, we, we know Norvell likes to run that uh, quite a bit, as did Jimbo uh, back in the day. I, I could see that working out. And then uh, the final guy here at slot I think you have to talk about is, is Ja'Kai Douglas. Um, Ja'Kai Douglas, somebody who played some running back and some receiver for FSU. Again, a bit of a, a Swiss Army knife, to use the phrase. You know, Second-year guy. Definitely, do- I don't think he has great top-end speed, but I think he has some good shiftiness. Generally catches the ball pretty well. Some run after the catch ability. Is he a game changer? In my opinion, probably not. Could also be a trick play guy since I know he played some quarterback for you in high school. It gives them another, you know, potential option. Um, and you just you hope second year in the system for some of these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. Robinson second year guy, Douglas second year guy. Uh, I guess technically it's everybody's second year in the system except for Parchment, right? Because it was the system was new. Last year, but a lot of these guys are second year in college guys, and you know we'll see how this works out for them. I'm not blown away by any of these dudes we talked about so far, uh, but but I do think they have a chance to be better than 14th in the ACC. Like I don't know, do they have to be dead last? All right, moving on to the tight ends, a place that uh, you know we have some concerns with, and certainly the the coaching staff may as well. We'll start out Cam McDonald, ice player, decent locker room guy. Not, you know, I don't want to say a liability, but certainly not his strength is not in blocking. Um, what, uh, uh, just under seven yards of target last year with a 60% catch rate. So, uh, I am fairly run of the mill. Uh, again, I don't want to call a kid average, but there's not a whole lot when, yeah. when you look at his game that necessarily, you know, jumps out at you. Is he a top half tight end in the ACC, in your opinion? No, he's not. He's probably middle of the road, which is fitting for the term I just used. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I'm trying to pull up something, if I can find it. Uh, so I'll just preview some of the other guys real quickly while you're looking. Jordan Wilson is a guy that they are very, relatively very excited about physically. Uh, a guy that we mentioned, I think, last episode. Uh, that they like really like the progress that he's made. Some of the 
other reps that they've given to tight ends in that situation. If you are going too tight, I would expect Wilson to feature fairly prominently. You may even, oh, he's going to be a beast. Yeah, yeah, and again, you may see Burrell used here situationally as well uh, after what we, we talked about a couple minutes ago. Um, so Cam McDonald last year, again, against FBS teams, you know, when it was still in doubt. Um, actually, 60% success rate against Notre Dame, or excuse me, against Georgia Tech, open five targets, three catches, or, you know, all, all successful there. Um, three targets, 0% success rate against the Irish, and uh, one target, 100% success rate overall against uh, uh, against North Carolina in 2019 you know not not a ton um, you know 44 percent success rate last year in these situations again real small sample set stuff what one one extra catch can can make or break something here but certainly not groundbreaking numbers I'm super excited about Jordan Wilson as a blocker uh, I think so Kind of follow me here at, at home. I know you get this, but like for the listeners, if you if you don't play Jordan Travis as much this year, then you probably are not forcing the defense to account for the extra gap quite as much because let's just face it, Mackenzie Milton is not going to be as mobile as he was at UCF. The guy damn near lost his leg. And as such, I think you really need to improve your run block. When we do the running back preview, I have a stat for you that's going to make kind of just go, whoa, because it's it shows just how effective FSU's run game was with Travis as opposed to when anybody else was on the field. Uh, if they want to be able to play McKenzie Milton and throw the ball more, and that's me assuming that McKenzie Milton throws it better than Jordan Travis, and I, I could be wrong about that. But if that's what they want to do, they have got to be able to block it up better in the run game, and I think Jordan Wilson could be absolutely key to that. If that means you're not having to play a guy like a Wyatt Rector or a Preston Daniel, who are like admirable stories as walk-on types, who you know, I, but like they shouldn't be like go, guys of that caliber should not really be taking snaps at FSU. They were doing so, or that they were doing so, I think shows the deficiency of the position, and it's still not a very good position personally. Uh, but I think you could get creative here with some stuff. And maybe use McDonald and Wilson more at the same time. We already mentioned Burrell. I, I don't know what they're going to get out of Kobe Gross, the, the junior college kid they took, who I think has, what, three or four years left technically with, with the COVID year, I think. He's sort of a wild card for me. I don't know if they get anything out of him this year. I, I guess we'll we'll see. He's not a typical Juco where you, like, you think he's plug and play, um, at least from my understanding there. But, yeah, man, like, I think these top two have got to be the guys who, who impact the, the team for you. Yeah. Excited about what Wilson can potentially be as far as what he brings physically. McDonald probably looking for uh, you know a little bit more consistency and a little bit more of, uh, of his play to back up kind of who he tries to be in the locker room. And I'm not being critical of the kid, but that's a guy that kind of wants to lead uh, and, you know, that's admirable and a good thing to have. Uh, it just helps a whole lot to have a, a little, He's vocal. a little bit more play that pairs with that. So, I agree with you on that. Um, 
man, a lot of, a lot of pieces to manage here. If only we had some kind of software or like company that could help us manage all these pieces. <laughs> uh, and, uh, maybe maybe if you're ever looking for somebody to help you manage your company, we would point you in the direction of Congruity. Congruity has been a, a fantastic addition for us. Uh, Matt Lewis is uh, just a, a great guy to be able to talk to about some of the simple changes that you can make uh, to improve your business. And uh, for, if you're ever looking for a PEO, Congruity is a, is a fantastic option. Matt, I got to check in with him to see. I did watch the first game. They won the first game. Florida did in their pursuit of trying to appear in the Little League World Series. Uh, but Matt is great. It's been nothing but great for us. And it's been, uh, you know, nothing but rave reviews from the four people that he's paired with uh, since they since partnered with us. So uh, Matt Lewis, you can reach him, Knowles at congruityhr.com or visit the website congruityhr.com. So one more time, that, that email. N-O-L-E-S at congruityhr.com. I'm, I'm doing our ticker live here. So uh, we'll look a little bit about what this position could look like next year. Some of the pieces that you have on the roster that we think will probably feature more prominently in 2021. Uh, Jackson West is where we'll start this conversation. A tight end that they're you know really excited about, kid out of Alabama. Uh, I don't know that it will be this year, but it doesn't mean that uh, <laughs> doesn't mean that that's somebody that they don't think they necessarily hit on. Uh, I think by all accounts, the, the feedback has been positive, but that's a, a kid that you're going to have to have a little bit more time in the weight room, uh, a, a renovated weight room, by the way, uh, and see continued physical development. But a guy that will feature, but will probably be in years 22, 23 and on. Yeah, I, I think that they are very high on Jackson West. Um, I, I really I, I echo your thoughts. I, I think he is somebody who has the real potential to be a starter for an above-average FSU team uh, down the line. So totally echo your thoughts. And I think he'll get to play some this year. Just, you know, we'll, we'll see how much he gets on the field as a true freshman. Uh, another guy I want to point out, uh, Kentron Poitier. Look, it's only his second year. He was very raw coming out of high school. You know, with the COVID stuff, if you want to, if you want to bet on him and invest in him as a long-term upside type guy, you know, he still has five years of eligibility left, which is crazy for some of these guys, right? I mean, because you get the free COVID year if you were a freshman last year, and you still get a redshirt year on top of that if you want. Um, just a big body receiver who you know, consistency learning the position is just gonna. It may take a little while. Uh, it wouldn't totally shock me if he gave you something, you know, later on this year. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see. Featured um, featured sporadically. I mean, had some had some decent moments last year. So uh, we'll be curious to see what it turns into. Uh, Jordan Young is a kid here locally out of Metro Atlanta, the Conyers area. Physically really gifted. Somebody that we were excited about. I think plenty of triple jump state champion or something like yes. that. You know, it's still it's not early, but it's not over with him either. I mean, it, there's still some some time there, and uh, somebody that you can continue to work with. I wouldn't necessarily close the book, but you know, if that comes good, it's still probably another uh, half year at best, probably a year away. I mean, you, do you realize that we still have three more years left of Jordan Young if they want? Yeah, the COVID year is really is changing a lot, certainly, uh, and is going to make a lot of these kids when we do this in two or three years be like, 
Uh, it feels like that guy's been around since the Obama administration or something like that. I mean, uh, there are going to be some some guys on this roster that uh, that will uh, will stick around for a little while. And hey, if you're going to stick around for a little while, then you probably need to have some of the raw physical components to ultimately have a chance for that upside. And that's one thing that we're not worried about with Young. Exactly, man. Um, so you know he's not a great bet, like necessarily, but I, I think he, he still could could do something long term. Um, you know, Darian Williamson is a guy who they got in last year's class. I think he was hurt in high school. I, I don't know, man. I really just haven't heard indications that like he's taken a leap yet. Uh, I like the main thing that I was told was that he's got to become more consistent catching the football so that they can trust it. Just the literally like when I asked around the word was he's got to learn how to catch. Yeah. So pretty, that pretty is critical in my opinion. About a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be it could be a key thing there. Um, so Carter Boatwright, I, Mike Norvell at practice gave him some credit for reshaping his body. Um, I got to tell you, like based on last year, Carter Boatwright is I mean, just based on a one year eval, like one of the worst evaluations I think I've ever done. And it's not like I thought the guy was a four star. I just said, yeah, I thought you know maybe he has some potential. Last year. He just really didn't look physically uh, like a college athlete, but it does look like he's done some work to reshape his body. He'll need to continue to do that, I think, um, if, if he wants the chance to get on the field. For the Knowles, uh, we'll see what happens there at tight end. But again, another one of these dudes who has five more years left yeah. if he wants to use them. Yeah. So, and if FSU wants him uh, to use right. those years. Reshaped his body, which is kind of interesting to me because... I've always been of the opinion that if Carter was going to have success, it may be growing into an offensive lineman. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's on in play ultimately down the road and uh, you give him another chance in a more kind of slim down, uh, <laughs> different looking body to see if tight end works out. And if not, then maybe, you know, maybe put him on the, the heavy table and uh, give him time to kind of grow into another position. I think that's fair. Uh Another thing here, uh, speaking of guys who you think could grow into an offensive tackle, uh, Marcus and Douglas, I, I just, I haven't heard anything as far as like what is going on there. I know FSU, I think, had a chance to medically disqualify him last year and they didn't do it. They kept him around. That's an interesting decision to the extent that it's a decision, right? Like, I mean, you're, you don't really want to rush into doing that if you think the kid has a chance to play, but I really haven't heard much a, about him. Body-wise, he looks like somebody who could eventually grow into an offensive tackle, although I don't know that he has the uh, the skills or you know, the want to, to make a position change like that. But there's certainly some potential. Um, there is definitely room to add contributors on this roster as you outline. I mean, his last four or five guys are dudes who, you know, if you had to bet right now, will they, will they be significant contributors? I think the bet is no. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, it's a tough place too. I mean, this this is a, an area where I could see Florida State had a prolonged uh, reliant our reliance. I could see him being active in the transfer portal here for a little bit of time. Twenty twenty two class isn't great, at least with the kids that they have a legitimate chance of getting in on. Uh, you're gonna have to kill it in twenty twenty three. I mean, particularly if this situation, if the ambiguity surrounding Hill doesn't get cleared up, then you know that's a, a pretty significant hit. So. This will be an interesting area to watch on the recruiting trail, what they do, 
And uh, like I said, this may be an area where they continue to kind of dip their toes into the waters of, uh, of the transfer portal. No doubt about it. Um, all right, man. Uh, as you've been seeing on the scroll at the bottom of the screen, I want to thank our listeners for their great support of Madison Social and Township. I know that Madso is doing something special to honor Bobby Bowden in what September, I believe, is coming. So looking forward to that. Make sure you guys stop in there as soon as you get in town for that Notre Dame game. It's going to be packed. It's going to be awesome. I know I'll be there. Throwing back a couple of drinks before we go watch the Knowles. Uh, if they lose really badly, I might throw back a couple more before we fire up that instant reaction podcast. And uh, man, like you know, this is... I, I wonder if David Hale won't have them like 12th or maybe 11th at, at the end of the year. I, I think it's possible especially if Milton can throw the ball as well as, as I think we're hopeful that he can. I, I don't know. I don't know if I see them finishing 14. Like this is not a good group. It's not a group that scares me. I just don't know if it has to be dead last in the conference. We'll see. And we've certainly talked about ways that they, that they wouldn't Hagen's be. It's like, no, this is, yeah. I, I can't buy no, it. No, I mean, I, I think, I think, I don't think they will be. I, it still makes me have a hard swallow just to acknowledge that the, you know, the pass catchers are 14 to 14 in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But, uh, you know, I think overall the future's bright with uh, the freshmen that you have. And hopefully Parchment finds himself pretty quickly and can be a legitimate threat for you. All right, man. Uh, we'll see you on foot. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.